Hello, everyone, and welcome to Young China. We're a half Chinese Brit and a Siberian Russian living in China. We share our experiences with you to demystify and translate Chinese culture and lifestyle. My name is Lucian. My name is Artem. We are entrepreneurs who made it in China, and now we are sharing our experience with you. Again, repeating your, <laughs> what do you say? Wrong. I can't remember. All right. So last time we spoke about the difference between north and south, and we touched upon regional variations in dialect and language. And I think that's such an interesting topic to go into because China is such a massive country. There's so many different dialects, variations of Mandarin, and we could talk about this for. Days and days and days and days. No, but today let's talk in general about Chinese language, Mandarin dialects, and how we learned it,、mm-hmm. or how we failed to learn it. Actually, <laughs> uh, so how long have you been learning Chinese then? That's actually a very tricky question because every time they asking, and before it was like. Six years! Wow, it's so great. For six years, it's so good. Now it's almost twelve years. Wow, it's so poor for twelve. Years. Then, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> but the process of learning, like active process of、mm. learning, was just like in my university for、mm. first four years. After that, I learned some new phrases, words for sure. I'm living in China. I'm work with Chinese people, and I. Uh, adding to my vocabulary every day some new words, but it's not that intensive now.、Uh, sometimes I come back, f- like you know, my Chinese is so bad. I need to learn at least two hours every day, and I didn't have time. <laughs> and I like,、ah, come on, no, stop it. So I will say, I would say, I've learning Chinese for four years, and then it just like a long break. <laughs> I I know what you mean about sometimes I feel my Chinese is. Really good, and sometimes I feel it's terrible. Like within my industry and daily stuff, and hanging out with my buddies and stuff, my Chinese is, let's say, flawless. Okay, because I don't make mistakes, and、mm-hmm. I understand everything. I can talk all about marketing and communications,、mm-hmm. but when I come across, say, engineering or law or politics. My Chinese really falters, and so you realize you're within this comfort zone, right? Of like your daily life,、yeah. and then your industry, your work, and that circle. And once you're taken out of that, you're like, oh, oh my god, actually, I don't know anything. But when I do encounter a new industry or a new client, I'm given, say, just two days or three days of looking through the wording or talking to them with the new words. I can pick it up very quickly, and I think once you have this very good basis. Then everything else is pretty easy.、Mm. <laughs> People who just start learning Chinese are pretty easy, and Chinese is like something sure, totally sure. different. But then it also depends <laughs> on it. Also depends on your goal. So I've got friends who can actually write Chinese articles. I mean, really in this very Chinese poetic style, which actually some local people can't even write. So. You know, because they're really obsessed with the language and they're really obsessed with the, the traditional culture and the history. And then also, there's an age thing, right? Like, so for for us, like we're a bit older and we're busy now with work. Now it's actually really the process of memorizing some stuff、mm-hmm. is getting tough. I realized、mm-hmm. it in university, like. Even I was having fun. I don't know. I come from like with a big hangover, like on the lessons,、mm-hmm. and then that words and new information get in your <laughs> brain so fast, and you're like, oh, I know it somehow. 
And now it's not that because easy. Because we have man. so much more information to take in. I, um, I hope so. But <laughs> I think that really, like, your brain like the is slowed down. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pretty smart, so I'm going to say that my brain has quickened up. The thing is, like, you mentioned when you say, like, my Chinese is so great. It's always, it's very hard relations with Chinese language, you know? Sometimes it's... Yes, I did this negotiation. So mm. good. They understand all mm. and I understand them. Yeah. And then you go to, I don't know, on, on the metro and you met some uh, a kid mm. who started to talk to you. And then he said some words and you don't know this word. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like a 10 years kid, like no, I mean, like Chinese kid speak Chinese better than you. I think also the difference between you and me is that you learned by the book. Yeah, like you so really, really you learned, learned Chinese. I'd never actually formally learned Chinese. I just turned up. And wait, then, wait, wait, wait. Five years or six years ago, you, five years you, ago, yeah. you came to China mm -hmm. and your Chinese was... I spoke literally no Chinese. So I, we never spoke Chinese at home. We just spoke English at home. So I came to China. Obviously, you pick up the basics very quickly, like ni hao, like hello. Where are you? That kind of thing. But I was very deliberate with wanting to understand things on a very granular level. So, for example, when someone types me in Chinese, there's a function on WeChat where you can just translate automatically. So you've got the Chinese words and then the English meaning. Mm -hmm. But that skips a step because you don't actually understand what the word is or the understand or hear the sound of the word. So I would copy that into Google Translate every time. So you'd get the sound of the Chinese character plus the actual meaning of each specific word rather than of the sentence. And so, do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and so I did that for ages and ages and ages. I still do that now. But I don't understand how did you learn it. Anyway, just, you need to I learn. I was just learning from just talking to people. Honestly, like I really like putting myself out there. I so think you never bought textbook? How, I, do you, how do you learn grammar at least? Like, uh, how just the talking structure? to people. Really, just talking to people. Okay, what? And, that's, and that's what I realized about was I realized that my Chinese was very oral, right? So if you... So my, when I, my written Chinese also, or my written Chinese was very oral. So it's very different. So if I wrote an article, it would look like a very long text message. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but Chinese written... Uh, But written Chinese, especially in newspapers and articles, it's very, very formal. And so that's something that I struggled with. But anyway, still, like, I pick up, like, oral, but still, how do... To learn characters, you need to learn characters. No, man. No. I never, up until, I think, last year, when I realized that I really needed to break that plateau, I never picked up a book. Honestly, it was just Okay, how did you it. write? I mean, like, type. Typing in pinyin. Okay. And, but how you recognize words if you have never learned them? I never look, because I recognize them because people text me all the time, right, mm -hmm. on WeChat. And I just know that, and then I translate it using Google Translate. So I, I've looked at it and translated it so many times that I, I'm then familiar with it. Okay, we have a genius here. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I realized, I, I remember when we were in work and then I thought, like, your pronunciation, for example, is, I think, much better than mine. But when I write to you something simple or like, oh, look at this character, and then I realized you don't know. <laughs> or some, you know, some, some things like this, then, yeah, your written Chinese is not that good. 
And you then, don't. And when you say like you don't understand some like law and political things, the funny thing, I'm okay with that because, because you've learned it, right? Because my is... base of Chinese was learned in Russia mostly, mm. like university. Actually, yeah, my major is Chinese, Ch- like China studies, but not Chinese linguistics. So I didn't have enough hours of Chinese, but still, my base was done there. And The thing is, the first and the second year of university, I went to parties so much time. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> learn properly, and that's how I didn't pick the like very simple words, like you know, some chair, table, mm-hmm. or you know, some like or like all fruits. I still don't know many fruits and vegetables how you call it because I didn't well, went to lessons. But mm-hmm. then I start to be. Uh, like more uh, responsible, self-responsible, and I went to classroom during the, the harder third, classes. Yes, during the harder classes. So I'm okay <laughs> with the reading, like some articles, you know, like news thing. So yeah, I can read some economical and political articles, but for now, I hardly can remember how to say tangerine or orange in Chinese. I always confused with this, really, still till now. And I think it's also about where your priority lies, right? So I'm not interested in food generally. So a lot of foods I just don't know. But everything within my industry, anything to do with marketing or media, like I know. I think it's very interesting how you and I have learned Chinese differently. So I basically absorbed it in this very informal fashion living here in Shanghai. So there are lots of basic words that if you're learning formally through courses, you would have learned very early on. And I didn't pick those up. Up until actually, I'm still sometimes I find that I'm picking them up now. But there are some like very local, like slang type words which I know, which a lot of other foreigners they don't. It's very interesting how our experiences differ so much there. And I think especially if you learn from a textbook, you have to learn by grade, and then you'll have like this depository of like I think two thousand five hundred words by the time you're HSK four or five, right? And I, I never passed issues. I, I mean, I I never t- got tested. I never tried it. I know why. <laughs> right, and then so there are some words like "解决" and "truly," which I think are only HSK two or HSK three. I only learned that like last year. <laughs> Been here for five years. That's mm-hmm. incredible, right? They're basic, basic words, but you realize yeah. that you find a way around it. So "解决" and "truly" they mean to solve a problem. Yeah. And I just found a really roundabout way of mm-hmm. saying it, which means "nanitsamaban." What will mm-hmm. you do about the problem? Mm-hmm. So there are some things where there's a gap in your vocabulary, but you don't even realize you have a gap. Like there are some things where I know I have a gap, right? If you're talking to me about politics or law, but other things like daily stuff, like I didn't even know there's a gap there. I didn't even know these words even existed. But Okay, you are maybe you wanted it so hard to learn something, and you try to go deeper every time someone sent you a message, and you keep asking your Chinese friends how to say like this, you know? Because I know a lot of foreigners who lived here for a long time, and like I don't want confused people that will they will think that they will come to China and like naturally, very organic way they will learn Chinese as you. No, for sure. I will say, like you, for sure, you need. Sure, I had a plan. I mean, have... I wanted to learn Chinese for sure, but then also, it, there's it's a different responsibility on me, right? I am half Chinese. I think being on the street and not being able to speak Chinese, people would locals here would think of me in a different way, right? If you're white with blonde hair and blue eyes, like you are, it's okay in a way to not speak Chinese, right? People are a lot more forgiving for you. 
but you're not you you you, you don't look like Chinese, so <laughs> I think the, the the rules are the same. I mean, like I don't if we talk now and give some advices how to learn Chinese, it's not doesn't mean like you come to China and you will pick up all that words and language like naturally. You're not a baby, you know, like you're not a kid when they learn it naturally. Yeah, it's a big support and the, for sure. I mean, like if you ask me. Can you learn Chinese without coming to China? No, for sure, no. It's not English or French or Russian even, you know. You should be in this environment. But for sure, text and basis is very important. And I think, for example, like a grammar and some basic stuff, better uh, if someone from your like native speaker, for example, English speaker, explain to you. Mm-hmm. Because they will have some parallels, some comparison with your language, and it's easy to. Because for many Chinese people, if you ask, they they say like they don't have grammar. They say, why do you say like this? I don't know. I just say like this. <laughs> But we cannot feel this language vibes. We need for sure why it's like this. At least some logic, so you know you know how to use these words, how to use the whole construction of the sentence. Mm-hmm. But. If we talk about oral things, for sure, Chinese teacher only, or better come to China. Mm-hmm. And when you say like we are different in the way how we're learning, yeah, I realize that I'm like failing after the second years of university. I come first time to China to Dumbay, and then I, I can't understand anything, and no one can understand <laughs> me. Even like I learned two years Chinese. Uh-huh. What was it? Was your accent? Was it your the grammar, know, the just, vocabulary? I had enough vocabulary, but I cannot pick up all world words uh-huh. together to make it fluent. You know, yeah, to yeah. make it like go. It was like super broken language. Was it about being nervous about not getting it? I, being... I don't know. I wasn't okay with them, especially again. Northern people are more like straightforward. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't feel any any like uh, pressure from them. And I remember even after ten years, the day that evening when we wanted to go to. People's Park, which called like Renmingungyuan, uh-huh. and I told her like literally twenty, thirty times <laughs> to taxi drivers, and there was no smartphone at that time, uh-huh. and I don't know how to explain. It's just four words: Renmingungyuan, 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 Renmingungyuan. It's like, and then I I already like uh, gave up and say Renmingungyuan. Oh, <laughs> so it was like <laughs> randomly, and then he understood. And it was like everywhere on every corner. I went like maybe not like twenty, thirty times, but I need to repeat like five times, mm-hmm. and they need to repeat me like ten times. In that way, I understand <laughs> them. Do you find I found that used to happen to me a lot at the beginning when I spoke slowly, right? So if you speak slowly, they listen to the sounds of the characters. Whereas if you speak quickly, they just listen to the sentence. So,、yeah. for example, if I say "Renmin Gongyuan," right? So, I've just started to learn Chinese. So, "Renmin Gongyuan." But if I'm like a local, I'll be like "Renmin Gongyuan," right? And they just they just get it. Yeah. So, in that sense, like the more, it's kind of like this, like this, the whole sentence tones、yeah. is more important than the words tone. It's kind of like this, this almost this circular logic of like, yeah, yeah, the better you get. The better you are, or like the smoother you get, the better you are,、yeah. right? And so you have to like get to that point of、mm-hmm. fluidity and confidence to then get much better. That's how I survive now. <laughs> I mean, like my tones are awful. 
mostly. You, your accent is strong. It's very strong when you speak Chinese. But why they understand me? Because my the whole sentence, the whole sentence tone, is correct. And probably the most useful words tones also correct. That's enough to understand. That's what I understand in Chinese. It doesn't matter which accent you have. That's how like southern people understand northern people and Sichuan province. For me, for example, Hunanren, they mix H with F. Mm. They say Fulan, Fu, Fulan and then N with L, which for me is like, oh, it's breaking my mind, you know, like... <laughs> It's totally different. It's like you you say you say like microphone or microphone, you know. Mm-hmm. But for them, M and B, it doesn't matter for them. They listening tones, you know. Yeah. So you can say computer or bobuter. <laughs> it's almost this. It's the same for them because like if if the tone is right, that's how they, you can say full iron. Is if you it's right ten, mm. tone they understand. And this I realized in Guangdong when they mix the sh. They don't have, they cannot pronounce the sound sh. They say all But before my trick, I didn't listen tone very much that time, and I listen. If I listen sh, it means ten. If it's so, it's like four, which is different tones. But I don't care because I listen to the sh. Yes, but then it doesn't work in the south. It's all sh sh question. And uh, is it like 14 or 44 <laughs> or what? And then I start to listen to the tones. It helps ah. a lot. So like 4 is 四, uh-huh. and 10 is 十. Even you say 四, it's like the second tone. You know, ah. it cannot be 4 because it's second tone. It's obvious. They, that's what I, they say. <laughs> and then, uh, oh this my is, God. I think this is the problem. Like exactly what we're saying is when you talk in just one or two words mm-hmm. that's where the problems come yeah because so i'd never learned tones right so if you say to me a single word mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. i wouldn't i probably wouldn't know it unless it's a very easy one but if you give me the whole sentence for sure i'll know it because mm-hmm. i just look at the context no even chinese people cannot get because like so many the same so words many, even right? the same tone the same yeah. pronunciation but different character but, so without context you mm, you cannot get but it but particularly with daily words there's only like I don't know we'd have to do like real research on this to figure out the numbers but probably you only use about 500 words a day right? no you don't need research there is me here okay well, um, usually like normal people without high education like these walkers and like factory guys mm. They usually can recognize 1,500 to 2,000 characters, so it means like it's enough to for like 90, 80 percent of your life, mm-hmm. and to read most of newspapers, and uh, like educated guys, they know about like five till six thousand characters, and they're like the top guys, like 10, uh, 10, oh 10,000, but it's actually. I don't know how they made that research. It's maximum how much your mind can keep inside, oh, you know, God. ten or twelve. Th- uh, but altogether, thirty thousand characters, forty thousand. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But the most useful is like two, three thousand. You mm-hmm. are enough mm-hmm. because you combine uh, words and yep. uh, like you you use the same characters to create new words. So actually, I think. 
probably I use about 500 words. <laughs> Honestly, like I, on a <laughs> daily basis, right? Year, <laughs> so what's interesting is when, because now I'm starting to learn, right? Mm-hmm. I make my assistant like teach mm-hmm. me an hour every day. Um, and so I have this app called Pleco and there's like the HSK mm-hmm. flashcards, right? So one to six. And what's really interesting is I will, because I'm studying for HSK five now, I'll like copy those words mm-hmm. into my WeChat mm-hmm. conversations. Oh. I, I haven't deleted any of my conversations for five years, right? That's good. So you'll see stuff that people have said to me, like from like 2016. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what you meant back then. Yes, it's, it's, right? it's really interesting uh-huh. how actually back then you could get their meaning mm-hmm. just by kind of skipping over some words mm-hmm. or I would translate it and I wouldn't retain that mm-hmm. in my mind, mm-hmm. right? Those specific words. I would know it for that second and then... and then. Yeah, that's on. why environment is super important. You get the shengzi and mm-hmm. word and then you like use it in the real situation mm-hmm. or already used it. That's how you can remember it, right? So yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good, interesting advice to learn. I think what you just said also is something that just blew me away is about combining words together. Mm-hmm. So even very simple words like he and how. So these two are some of the most basic words like you'll learn on day one. But together they make up a very complex word called he how, which means to get back together. So like girlfriend, boyfriend, they break up, they get back together. Just off these two simple words, it becomes a whole new meaning. And this word itself, he how, is like a HSK5 level word. And I was... And that's what really annoyed me about learning Chinese is that you just add two simple words together and it becomes like a whole different thing and it becomes like a whole higher level. And no one's telling me this. And probably so, you need to go and learn some grammar learn. things because uh-huh. many of the things have explanation and they're like systematic, really. They, they, it's not like randomly, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can like understand the logic behind it, but if no one tells you it, then you don't know, right? Like you only figure out after someone tells you out. Like yeah. you can't figure out yourself. Probably, I recommend you have like two teachers for sure. At least one is your native, mm-hmm. who is like can explain you good in grammar and some like this uh, language structure, some basis things. And then for oral things, for sure, Chinese person. And and my mistake was not mine, actually. I think, like, my teacher was not great, really, at the time. blame other people. No, because in Chinese language, teacher is super important, your first teacher. Yeah. And my tones was failed. And the thing is, if you don't care about tones from the start... It's really hard to change it. You're like, it's so deep in my mind. I cannot. I don't, if I need, I mean, like, if I really have big motivation for this, probably I need to use, I don't know, two, three hours every day, just like fixing my tones, fixing my tones, fixing my tones. I don't have time for this now at all. And it's like, I don't know. So my big advice, take care about tones from the start. Mm. And especially it's super important. I gave you one example. And in the South, it was like, I actually pretty lucky that I got to Guangdong after my uh, graduation because it was not only like shi, shi, shi. there are a lot. For example, ro this sound, uh, which like R sound, you know, mm. ro ro, uh, rang ro, ro is mid ro, fourth tone. Mm-hmm. And that time again, I didn't care about tones. Uh, my ex girlfriend, for example, opened the fridge and she's like, "There is no yo." She was, uh, <laughs> she was, she was local. Uh-huh. 
and I was thinking there is was no oil, ah. but she cannot pronounce the sound. R. They cannot on in Guangdong. Wow. So they say, yo, it's it's meat. <laughs> yo, it's oil. You know, but th- that time I didn't care. I said if I I hear this sound, r, so I said okay, it's meat. Mm. I doesn't doesn't matter which tone is this. So like really like Guangdong can make your uh, expert in Chinese tones for sure. Like, mm. Or like another Sichuan province, Hunan, Fulan. It's like Where? Fulan, man. <laughs> it's totally different words. Yeah. You change the H to F and N to L. No, it doesn't matter. Well, tones is correct. Mm. Well, I, I think then we should move on to the next topic of accents. Mm-hmm. And this is a big variation within mm-hmm. China, right? So uh, in the north, there's a lot more R. Mm-hmm. Right, particularly in Beijing and and then Dongbei as well, and in the south, it's like you say a lot more. There's a lot more lighter. Mm-hmm. So like, whereas in Beijing, we're Beijing Ren. And actually, I've got this really funny story. When I first came to Shanghai, and Shanghai is very kind of very light mm-hmm. kind of accent, right? When I first came to Shanghai, all my colleagues were Shanghainese girls, mm-hmm. and the way they talk is this very <laughs> this very like mm-hmm. dainty. Effeminate way, right? So they're like, "Gamaya, chavalama," right? So like, "What are you doing? Have you eaten?" Gamaya. So it's like this very kind of at the end, there's always an "ah" or a "ya," mm-hmm. and I started to speak like that, and all my friends were like, <laughs> "Why are you speaking like a girl, man?" Because my environment is just <laughs> uh-huh. Shanghainese girls, so that's uh-huh. why I, that's how I learn. Mm-hmm. And now I have this kind of like this thick kind of Beijing Dongbei accent. I don't really know where I got it from, <laughs> but I must have been. So, like, motivated to not speak Shanghainese or in a Shanghainese accent, they just picked it up from you know business trips or or friends or TV, and so now instead of saying "gamaya," I'd be like "gaya," which is like a really thick like don't be like "ga." Yeah, but I find that these regional variations also have a very big effect on how other people see you as well. So if I say to someone "gaya," They then assume that I'm from Dongbei and I'm a bit more masculine and a bit more aggressive.、Mm-hmm. Whereas if I spoke to them in the Shanghainese way of like ni ga ni ga ma ya, then maybe there is there is less of that kind of masculine confrontational aspect to it. Yeah, and you know the funny thing,、mm, Chinese people say that most of the foreigners speak like a Henanren. Oh, really? Our yeah, our. Accent when we speak Chinese language is really close to Henan people. It's they've re- got a weird accent. I was there like、mm-hmm. for I was many second tones and like Henan. It's it seems like really many Chinese friends like oh you're like Anhui or Henanren because <laughs> Anhui is close to Henan. Yeah, yeah. So we we, are, we speak like Henan people <laughs> for them. So I was actually in Henan a couple of weeks ago.、Mm-hmm. They speak, especially the taxi drivers, really, really local guys. They speak with a heavy accent,、mm-hmm. and it's actually very hard to understand. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not about this. It's so bad. It's like about tones. They、mm. say like we speak really, even good foreigners,、uh, Chinese, for them it sounds like Henan、mm. or like Xinjiang. If you all speak, you know the problem of many foreigners. They speak all in the second tone. <laughs> and like Xinjiang Ren, Yangrongchuan, hello. <laughs> Actually, one thing I cannot understand, and I think it's not polite at all, how Chinese people start to xueni, like le- like how to say when they repeating after you. 
I think it's fine. Like, it's so, like they're mocking a, you. Yeah, but people mock each other all the time. For Could lots you of imagine? But you're only sensitive to it because you're so you, into language. I cannot imagine. I take a cab in London and I start to speak with my Russian accent in English and like, where are you going? And then uh, the taxi driver like, okay, we're going straight now and then we turn left here and then <laughs> it's not polite. And here, when you get a taxi driver and he understands that you're Laowai, many of them start to speak with you really? in a Laowai way. Oh, you're welcome. Like, you know, they are like mocking you, whatever. I think, they, think, I think they're doing it to, to be easy on you. They think that if they speak the same with me, maybe I understand better. Yeah, maybe I think uh, that. I think sometimes like a friend... Like good friend because actually on the whole Chinese people culturally they don't they don't really like diss each other until until yeah, they're yeah, really good yeah, friends yeah. like you know this person mm-hmm. really really likes you when he's like dissing you or dissing your mom or mm-hmm. you know like really yeah, yeah, using yeah. heavy swear words no I understand it's not a, any bad intention but still like for me if you just like transform it and like mm. like in Russia or, or like in England it it sounds weird when you just copy the accent of person who trying yeah, to ask you yeah. something. But have you ever had this experience when you speak to an Australian person, you start taking on their accent? I do that a lot because I think there are some accents like the Dongbei accent or Australian accents or even Irish accents. They're just very comfortable <laughs> to say. Laowai's accent is not <laughs> comfortable to say. But do you, I mean, when they speak English, mm. I don't mean when they speak Chinese. When we speak English, they're very like, they're just a very comfortable and they're very contagious, mm-hmm. right? They're just really nice accents to speak in. It's like when you... Have you noticed... Have you noticed when you speak to someone from the south of China, you don't copy their accent, but when you speak to someone from the north, you get influenced a lot more. Because it's more uh, standard Chinese. I feel it's actually more comfortable like rolling off the tongue instead of chuman For foreigners. Yeah, for <laughs> foreigners, fine. And- a lot of sounds there are not exist in South. In Sichuan and Guangdong, Zhege, for example, ZH, no. Zhege, 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 So, you know, originally Chinese language is lack of many sounds. It's just Here's like, an example of a thick, thick, really local Beijing accent. And it's almost to the point that you kind of don't understand it. <laughs> so towards the end, it just it just became one big R. Yeah, it's typical. Right? And mm-hmm. I, and actually, it's a very if you ever try and copy it, it's just a very comfortable way to talk. Like it's just so relaxed. Like you make minimal effort to speak. Like like you start, and then by the end, like your mouth is just kind of failing. Don't you think it's because like close uh, to our languages? Because like mm. we have a lot of our, our our anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I also think. This is another reason why, in some ways, I think a lot of foreigners, they're also more attracted to the North Mm -hmm. in some ways, right? Of course, a lot of us live in the South because it's better living. But I think we're more attracted to the Northern culture, like, because it's more direct. There's a lot more similarities to our food, like meat and potatoes, particularly for Europeans and Russians Mm -hmm. and Northern Chinese. You know, these aspects. But then, of course, we all live in the South because the economy and the (laughs) weather is way better. Yeah, that's... We talked about differences in the previous episode, mm-hmm. and we keep talking about the language thing, and you start to talk about dialects. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we ha- we talk about different accents now, mm-hmm. but if we go to dialects, actually, it's different languages. For example, Cantonese. Mm-hmm. It, yes, they use the same Chinese characters, but if you talk oral, 
It's totally different. Yeah, completely it's different. completely different in another language and Chinese people don't understand each other, not only in Guangdong. Chinese people will never understand uh, the Sichuan accent. It's totally different language. And sometimes they can recognize some accent when someone talk in Mandarin and then they can... Oh, you are 600. No, I'm from Guizhou. Oh, like, you know, mm. even them don't understand the whole variety of all dialects, mm-hmm. which is different languages. I mean, like, let's say Ukraine or Belarusian, it's close to Russian language, but we don't call it dialect, not only because it's different countries, but because it's different languages. It's, but for me, I can understand, I think, 60, 70% of what Ukrainian people say. And if they write, like, 90%. But we call different language. Mm-hmm. But Chinese people call it dialect, while it's super different. When I lived in Guangdong, I was influenced by local people in Guangzhou, and I started to learn even continuous. I bought textbook and then realized it's like nine tones. It's nine tones. Some yeah. someone say like seven tones at different schools, but even seven, to- seven tones. I'm struggling with four tones and it's seven, <laughs> seven or nine tones. Some of books say eleven tones. Mm. And the thing is, there is no systematic mm-hmm. learning of this. It's just more like oral language. Yeah. The same with Chinese. Mm-hmm. And when you uh, here, at least you can ask in Mandarin, like, what tone is this? Mm-hmm. And then they can explain to you because they're learning it in school. But in Guangzhou, you say, why it's like this? I don't know. Just say like this. And then you just like, keep repeating. <laughs> but it's seven tones. How big is chance that it will yeah. be a right tone, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh my god! Then I stopped it and said, like, I better improve my Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Then I learned Cantonese till till till, till my eighties. <laughs> There's something I found really fascinating with some of my local friends from Shanghai or not from Guangdong. They can sing Cantonese music just from hearing it mm-hmm. or going to going to karaoke. Mm-hmm. But they, I'm not sure if they understand the words or the meaning. But they can like when they read the characters in the standard script, they can sing in Cantonese like fluently in Cantonese. But I don't think they could ever have a Cantonese conversation, mm-hmm. right? They can't go down to Guangdong and like mm-hmm. start speaking Cantonese, but they can sing it. I think that is really fascinating for me. But you don't know how bad or good tones <laughs> when they sing. Oh, that's you true. Know? <laughs> that's true. But it sounds good when they sing. Actually, so. an interesting thing that many people say, like, China is a very musical nation because of tones again. Mm-hmm. Because people here, like, they love to sing and it's influence of a tones language system. Mm-hmm. And some research says, like, 80% of Chinese people are good singers. It's That's just, really true. It's and true, yeah. I think that also what you're saying about people loving to sing, it's completely true. People love to sing. And uh, when I start learning language, all textbooks said it's connected with the tone system of the language oh. because they're more musical. They can feel the tones, the vibes of language. We mm-hmm. can hear it. For us, it's the same. If you say chair, 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 it's still chair, you know? Yeah. But for them, this small difference in tone leads to totally different word this like yeah. i still cannot understand can you imagine for them for example uh for example zou and zou these two words is the same like microphone and computer the, i mean like the difference between words for them with the tone mm-hmm. totally different because sometimes you're trying to tell something to chinese people 
and there's like, why you don't understand? It's just like it sounds almost the same. Yeah, the yeah. tone is a bit different, but all but for the them word it's is like it, a different word. Yes, right. It's a I different know. sound. It's yes, like, yes, yeah, yes, completely different. Yeah. I think also, <laughs> this is coming off the topic a little bit, but also there's this research that I read about how Chinese people or Asians identify others. Because Chinese people all tend to have black hair and dark eyes, they then recognize you from like your facial variability a lot more than, say, Westerners who are more used to like variations of hair color and eye color. I think there's a really interesting parallel here where they have to be so specific with minute details on things that you and I would take for granted back home. Yeah, to notice all these small details. Uh, interesting theory. You can write a, a scientific article about this. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, it's true. I mean, like you're you're talking about how they notice the sounds of the words, even if it's like zo or zo. It's still the same sound for foreigners, right? Yeah, for me, like if you so because there is that yeah. and o, but no, if you say different tone, it's like totally different words, you know. Yeah. What more advice is like the 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 best advice? Usually, what people give to you, like find a Chinese girlfriend or Chinese find a Chinese boyfriend. Do you think it works? I saw a lot of these mixed couples who actually I think they used themselves <laughs> for like a Chinese girl, for example, trying to get as much English from the guy like press uh, as she can. And the same from this, the, the guy, he trying like to use every minute with her to improve his Chinese. I don't know. I've seen different variations in couples. Like I've seen somewhere like the guy, foreign guy will speak like literally zero and then he relies on the girlfriend to help him do like forms and filling out details and stuff. And then also in Shanghai, there's a lot of girls who speak really, really good English. Mm. Like they've never even been out of the country before. Like honestly, and uh, you know, you'll meet a girl or you'll meet a person. You'll be like, so did you study in England or, or America? They're like, no, I've never left the country. And you're like, what? Well, where'd you get this thick American accent from? found. Yeah, found one five eight, Arson's favorite bar area. <laughs> but they'll they'll be like, oh, I just watched a lot of HBO like when I was younger, and you're like, how can you just become like straight out of California yeah. just by watching TV? But it's true, it really is like that. No, again, like I don't want to give a lot of illusions to people. You can learn the languages to watching some uh, movies with. But I mean, but it's different though because anyway you're learning some basic English at school here, right? And then watching a lot of HBO when you're a kid, that is kind of like an add-on. Still doesn't work for many people here. I think there's more environment for learning English here as a Chinese person. In Shanghai, yeah. In Shanghai. Then there is, say, learning Chinese in Wisconsin, in America, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Environment right. is super, yeah. super important. That's what I... I started to say after I understand my Chinese failed after two years of mm -hmm. learning in university, I got back to Russia to finish my university. Mm -hmm. And then I started to do this environment, to create environment around me. I found Chinese friends who are learning Russian there, like and uh, foreign students there in Russia. I used QQ and QQ Zone, QQ Kongjian, that mm -hmm. time no WeChat. I, l I watched Chinese cartoons. 
I talked, I got so many online friends. And it was a bit some, I think that time it was super weird. I went to QQ Zone and find some guys, some mostly girls, yeah. <laughs> and it was not harassment or something. I just add, I want to be your online friend. I'm learning mm. Chinese and could we be friends? And it's like, what? And many people thought that time it was fake for a guy. Could you imagine like 10, 11 <laughs> years ago, the guy adding you on QQ Zone, which is like super like niche Chinese mm. social media, just or random one, just, just started. Or even QQ, you just find a region you like, yeah. and then you find a person <laughs> there and add. And like Siberian guy sitting somewhere <laughs> there, you know, like adding you and saying, I'm learning Chinese, could you be my friend? <laughs> But I got a lot of friends like this. I still meeting some of them like wow. around China, and that's how I improve my. So my daily schedule was: like, I get up, I reply to my online friends, then I go to university, then I force, yeah, really, sometimes force myself. You cannot just like randomly be a friend with a random person. Mm. But I tried to be a friend with Chinese guys, uh, students in Russia. I went to the dorms and <laughs> eat with them. And then we go to the movie together. Uh -huh. And then I go back and watch cartoon, uh, Chinese cartoon. And then I go sleep, you know, like, wow. And it was like one year, really like very like everyday Chinese environment. I live, I, I created a small China in a <laughs> Siberian a small, city, you know? Small young China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's how... Really, like in one year, my Chinese improved so much. And then next year, I went to the whole one month trip without smartphone, and I lost my electronic vocabulary in Urumqi. And I got a trip Urumqi, Lanzhou, Xi'an, Zhengzhou, Shanghai for one month. Mm -hmm. I'm alone and Chinese environment, Chinese mm. people. And that time, all Chinese, what I learned before, like this mosaic comes <laughs> together. And then I become, that time I was like, oh my God, I'm fluent. <laughs> yeah, I really like I broke this barrier, wall yeah. barrier, language barrier. That time is fall down. Mm. After three years of learning Chinese, I actually started to be like survival level. <laughs> so it was much easier for you because environment is super important. In sure. You cannot learn Chinese without, if you can't build your small China as me in your hometown, you can in Wisconsin, there. Like. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our, our million listeners from no, it's Wisconsin interesting. just, it's like just a, disappear. It's a, just a word to call any small city in America. <laughs> Wisconsin. Is it in America, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay my geography that's actually it's a good example how i cannot blame people when they don't understand where is jansu or you mm. know like where is you don't know chungxing chungxing is the biggest city in the mm -hmm. world you know yeah but i mean Why should we should know because we live in china no, we, and, yeah, yeah. right and there are a lot of foreigners who don't know anything about china no, or like, the chinese language yeah if you live in country and you don't know yeah, yeah like at least you can listen to young China, right? Yeah, exactly. Listen to young China. Look at look at us advertising ourselves to the people who are already listening to us yeah. on our podcast. No, maybe listen you to can more share, young China. Yeah. So, okay, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite regional accent in China? That one which they talk on CCTV. I mean, like a standard the one. Like, like the the thing. But you is know that no, but that's standard because you. I've got a friend who's a. TV host and you've got to take like a mega exam to be on TV I know. and your Chinese has to be like 
like standard, 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 like I just know. perfect. I know. Right. Yeah. But when you talk about standard in that sense, in the sense you're talking about just now, mm-hmm. it seems like you mean just Hebei standard. No, I mean like the perfect Chinese, like perfect Chinese is the yeah. best for me because I can understand it easily because that's how I learned from textbook, or from movies, from like I understand. But like it, from from the books, even it was a little bit Beijing. There'd always be like an R at the end. Chumar, <laughs> don't you remember? Because my friend, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, my be, friend, be, yeah, because like Mandarin is based on Beijing dialect, yeah. so. And yeah, what we need to mention that like Mandarin existed only like 70 years after communists come, mm. they made this Mandarin unified like, language, unified like language, unified simplistic, yeah, language, which yeah. what you need to do to you need the country and to give education to mm. everyone. Otherwise, how you will educate a whole people, mm. the whole country people who cannot write, uh, yeah. you know. And that's why, if you've noticed on Chinese TV, every TV show has subtitles. Every TV show, every movie, they always, 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 always have subtitles because they're always trying to promote literacy. Yeah, and it's because oral dialects. Uh, I mean, like oral language is still super different, while they make the same characters for the whole dialects. Have you met anyone from a big city who doesn't speak Mandarin? I mean, older generation. Like when you were living in Guangzhou. No, actually, in Guangzhou, a lot of local people. No, for sure, they can understand a bit and speak, but not that good. I mean, like very bad, <laughs> literally. Because that- like Cantonese people, like in where, if you live in Guangzhou, I mean, like in Shanghai, I saw the news. Now they will put in the metro and public transport the third language, mm-hmm. Shanghainese yeah. dialect. Yeah. In Guangdong, it was like. Like that forever yeah, already, forever. right? So in Guangzhou, you even cannot get a job. I think, like in the service uh, <laughs> yeah. industry, or without like in the speaking. bank, whatever, without speaking Cantonese. Wow. Okay, that's really interesting because one is I've got a good friend from Guangzhou. He says his English is better than his Mandarin. Like his English is great, mm-hmm. but it's better. So in his rankings, it's like Guangdong language first. English and then Mandarin. No, the thing is, when you talk about all the generation, Guangzhou youngsters they love to speak Cantonese, to be mm. different, mm. to talk to each other. It's also the way how to you get secretly talks about ah, something. So yeah. like some guys cannot understand, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and for sure like foreigners will not understand. Yeah. But that's also a very interesting thing about how China now, as a nation, is trying to pull back again. These individual languages. So for a very long time, it was about spreading Putonghua Mandarin, standard Mandarin, to everyone at the cost of these minority languages. And now they understand that there's a v- real value, cultural value, in holding on to these things. And so you can see some small movements towards saving these or preserving these languages and cultural elements. But they still don't have enough. Classes in the school—that's、mm. very important. Well, the Chinese kids already have too many classes as it is, right? Yeah, I mean, like I know this is a bit controversial. At the one hand, they are trying to save it; on the other hand, they don't push it in the schools.、Mm. Like, but anyway, I mean, like in Guangdong, they don't care. They get it from their childhood、yeah. as an oral language, as their main language. And if you think the dialect like that. No, go to Guangzhou and、mm. talk to the young people, like seventeen, sixteen years teenagers. 
they like speak to each other in Cantonese and they don't care about Mandarin. So what you're talking about Shanghainese is really interesting because I just met a lady who's from Shanxi, which is really far away from Shanghai. She came to university around 25 years ago in Shanghai. And she asked me if I speak Shanghainese. I say, no, I speak Mandarin though. And she's like, oh, things have must really changed in Shanghai then. Because when she said that when she was here 25 years ago, she almost had to speak Shanghainese to get around. Like everyone spoke Shanghainese to each other because back then there weren't that many um, mm -hmm. people from other cities here. Mm -hmm. It was mostly just Shanghainese. And even you know, going to shops, um, talking to other people on the street, mm -hmm. it was all Shanghainese. Shanghainese were not really speaking Mandarin to each mm -hmm. other. And you still see that. Like you see, you you know, when you see the older, older generation, they always speak to each other in Shanghainese, never in Mandarin, right? And when they speak to you, like it's very thick. They either try like a little bit of Mandarin or they'll speak to you in Shanghainese and, and hope that you get it. And she hasn't really returned to Shanghai since. But that for me is in a way kind of shocking that only 25 years ago, this city, which was supposed to be the very international, like, you know, the number one international city of China, was in a way so insular. Mm -hmm. And then also one of our clients is a very, very big, very traditional hotel in Shanghai. It's around 60 years old. And it's mostly Shanghainese in there. But still, they they only ever talk in, Shang in Shanghainese to each other. Even when I'm having meetings with them and they're talking to each other, they'll speak in Shanghainese rather than in Mandarin. I don't think it's because they're trying to say something that I don't understand. I think they're just so used to it. There's just so, in, in a way, in the sense that for Shanghainese, there is Shanghai and there is China and they are almost different. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's the same, I think, in all the regions where they have a kind of very different dialect to the Mandarin. The same in Guangzhou, the same in like Sichuan, the same in Hunan. And they don't care about... <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about like... Like foreigners or outsiders, right? Outsiders, yeah. Okay, so I think we've come to our end here. We've just gone straight into a super deep topic, which obviously can be split into far more podcasts, but we've given a general intro here. So thank you so much for listening. We really look forward to your feedback. What we would especially like is to hear your ideas for what you would like to hear next. So my name is Lucian. My name is Artem. See you next week. 